We're in a series right now entitled Grow, and we're going to wrap it up today with part four. How many of you know that it's God's will and God's purpose that you grow? God designed everything to grow. In fact, everything that's healthy grows, and God designed us to grow in every season of life. In fact, Jesus grew, the Bible tells us, in, in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. We all can grow in those ways. God, God designed us to grow in every season, even in the winter season. Growth is happening underground. Or even when life comes at you like a snowstorm in March. <laughs> There's still growth going on if you'll allow yourself to grow through every storm. Underground work, that's the stuff you don't see but the stuff that's most important. It's the foundation of your house that's most important. Because if the foundation is cracked, if the foundation is built on the wrong substance, you find yourself in trouble when the storms of life come. And, and God wants us to grow. He wants to design our lives in, in such a way. And, and I'm not talking about getting older, right? I'm talking about growing. You can get older and never grow. I mean... As, as you get older, you have to stay positive, though, right? I mean, the other day, fell down the stairs. Instead of getting upset, I just thought, wow, that's the fastest I've moved in years. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to stay positive. And, and you got to get creative when you're older. You ever reach down to fix your shoes or tie, tie your shoelace, and you're thinking, what else can I do while I'm down here? <laughs> You just kind of look around, you know, what can I grab? I'm, I'm already down here. Today, I, I was going to turn on the, the lights for the little table out there for the men's and women's sign-up for their group. And so I turned one of the switches up top, and nothing happened. And I remembered the other day I saw Isaiah. He got under the table. And it looked really simple. So I got down, and my knee hit that that tile floor and I'm like okay this isn't as easy as it looks and then I found the switch got the switch on and then I thought what else can I do <laughs> there's got to be something else I can do while I'm down here because that hurt that hurt really bad but listen you can grow through anything if you want to and let me just say this don't you dare stay a baby in diapers needing to be bottle fed and changed when everything you need for life and godliness is available for you so you can grow, grow, grow. Amen. Just touch your neighbor and say, don't, don't stay a baby. <laughs> Amen. And so we've looked at Psalm 92 where the, the Bible says in verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You're going to find yourself, even as you grow older, you're going to stay if you stay planted in the house of the Lord. And that's the number one way you grow. You stay planted in the house of the Lord. You stay planted in the family of God. You quit running away from what God's trying to do in your life, even though it may be uncomfortable. Because the Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. 
And so one person sharpens the countenance of another. And sharpening iron is not a, a pretty thing. It's not a fun thing. It, it actually creates sparks. There's friction involved. But it's that friction that causes you to get sharper. And the problem with most of us is when, when the friction comes, we're out the door. I'm going to go find another family. I'm packing my bags. I'm out of here. And it's a dangerous thing to run when God says, if you'll just stick around for a while, I want to grow some things in you. I want to do some things in you. Because if you have no one that can speak into your life when you're off, you're in a very dangerous place. And how many have ever been off? How many this week you were off? Got my hand up. We're Chick-fil-A. Had to take anchor to get his, his eyes checked at the, the uh, chop place. And, and Landon was gone, and I was voted most likely to succeed in this area. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're wanting to put drops in his eyes. They're wanting, you know, you got to hold him. Down. You, you get it, right? And with his... his uh, down syndrome, he's, he just doesn't understand a lot of things. And so we just done that, and so we're, we're on our way back, and Chick-fil-A's right there, and so, you know, we're hungry. We stop and get some nuggies for him. And so I'm coming out. We get, we're, we're parked, right? And I we'll get him in the car, and then I've got my hands full of, of food and drinks. I mean, one here, one here, one here. You know, I'm trying to get in. Car door's open, and a guy pulls in and honks. And I'm like, really? Are you serious? So I got out of my car. Allie's going, Dad, Dad. I, I get out of the car and go, really? You know, like that? Like, look, seriously, look at my arms. Do you think I can get in real fast so you can get in your little spot? <laughs> so now I'm trying to find a place to put the drinks so I can let the guy in who's in, obviously in a hurry. So I'm trying to get my foot out there to pull in the thing. And, and he pulls in and he gets out and comes to talk to me. Hey, I wasn't trying, you know, I'm like, did I really come across that? I did. I did. I came across that, that way, and it wasn't a good way. And I kicked myself all the way home saying, Lord, really? Because Allie, of course, she reminded me that <laughs> daddy's probably coming to your church on Sunday. Nice to see you, sir. <laughs> and I could have looked at her and said, stop it. You don't have to talk to me. In fact, you're out of my family. I'm going to another family. <laughs> no, I need iron sharpening iron. I need somebody to speak to me when I'm off. Amen. It's usually my wife. I've noticed that the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Christy are about the same. They just... (laughs) 
Stay planted in the house of the Lord and the family of God. Secondly, we talked about the daily reading and meditating on the Word of God, how, how Jesus knew the Word of God, how he used the Word of God to speak and, and to fight his battles for him. And, you know, everyone has an opinion, but we base our lives on the Word of God. And the Word of God is that which can get inside of us and grow us and mature us. It, it's, it's alive. It's not just words on paper. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. It gets down into joint and marrow and divides and, and judges the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. I mean, the stuff that nobody else can see, you may be acting right on the outside, but you've got wrong intentions. And the Word of God will point those out. And so you need to be daily in the Word of God, eating yourself so you don't have to be bottle-fed on Sunday. Because what you get on Sunday is milk for you. It's meat for me, because I'm the one that killed it, cut it, fixed it, and prepared it. But as I give it out, it's milk. Milk is that which comes through someone else. Meat is that which you kill and eat yourself. And you process it so you've got milk to give to someone else. And all of us have to have that which, which feeds us so we can help somebody else to grow. So we need the word of God. We need his word speaking into us and need to understand the promises that he's already secured for us. He says, every place your foot will tread, I've already given it to you. I've got promises prepared for you. You just got to walk into them. You need to know where to walk. You need to know where to go. And so we do that. And, and thirdly, we talked about prayer and the relationship that we've got to have with God. How we speak to him and he speaks to us through his word. And that still small voice, that quiet speaking. And we want to help you grow spiritually. I mean, that was, that was our first week. And then, then we talked about growing in generosity and how God wants to help us manage our money. So our money doesn't manage us. And how we want to help you live with margin and live on mission so that you can have the money that you need to do what God's called you to do and to be a blessing and not a problem. You tell your money where to go so you don't wonder where your money's been. And you put God first in everything. That's what the tithe is all about. It's putting God first in your money. It's, it's what tithing your time looks like, putting God first in your time. It's giving him the first part of every day. It, first is important to God. He wants to be first. He needs to be first. He deserves to be first. And someone says, why does God want my money? He doesn't want your money. He wants you. But you are connected to your money because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so God... God, if he has you, then he's got your money too, and there's not an issue. And if you get upset at money, money preaching, you've got a money problem. You've got a God problem in your heart. Because I, I tell you, if, if I preached about money every single week in this church and nobody got upset, this would be the wealthiest church. We'd be able to do more things overseas, more things in this community, because we're all on the same page. We're all doing what God's asked us to do. And that's an incredible place to be. Amen. When he has you, he has your priorities. Your priorities will be kingdom-based, not just me-centric. And it's, it all comes down to living with eternity in view. And when you understand that everything you have comes from God, it's easy to give him everything you've got. 
Amen. Might want to write that one down. Is that on the screen? When you understand that everything you have comes from God, it's easy to give him everything you've got. Because growing in generosity, simply recognizing everything I have comes from God, is trusting God with all that he's blessed me with. It's honoring him, obeying him, whatever he says to do with all he's given me, and trusting him with the outcome. And that's what bringing the first fruits, the tithe, is all about. It's all about honor and trust. And then last week, Pastor Isaiah preached on it's wake-up time. Wake up with a purpose. Wake up with a new perspective. And he talked about the process of change. And here's, here's a line that I wrote down. I don't think he said this, but it's a good line. <laughs> your choice dictates your change. The choices you make will dictate the change that comes in your life. You have power over what kind of change is going to happen in you. So grow in your perspective. When you see money problems, God sees obedience problems. And he talked about three things that promise growth. Number one, step away from distraction. Number two, tune your ear to him. And number three, step into obedience. So pastor, how do you know what he said last week? Because I took notes. And you should too. Because you only remember about 20% of what you hear, but you'll remember 80% of what you write down. I'll just wait while you grab those pins in front of you. <laughs> Take some notes today. It might change your life. And then it was interesting to me then after Sunday last week, then on Monday at the men's meeting, uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle talked about fight, fight, fight as a man and how the enemy makes strong men weak. And there's three attitudes that, that makes a strong man weak. And number one was lust. Lust simply says this, I want it. I want it. Secondly, entitlement. I deserve it. Not only do I want it, but I deserve it. And thirdly, pride. I can handle it. I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. And we watched how Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, became one of the weakest men in the Bible because of these three things. He wanted what he couldn't have, thought he deserved it, and pretty much thought he could handle it. And didn't even recognize that the Spirit of God left him at the end of his little playground thing. Listen, you don't want to get weak. Because of disobedience, Samson lost everything. And I want to help you grow in obedience today. We're going to grow in obedience. Now, as a parent, if you've ever been a parent, one of the things that helps you recognize growth in your children is when they want to obey you rather than want you to obey them. 
That's when you start to recognize, hey, they're growing here. Normally a child, and some of us are stuck in that age group, where we want our heavenly father to obey us. We're telling him everything to do and how to run our life and how to make things happen. And we're telling him off and we're upset at him and we're about to run out again because he's not doing what I thought he should do. And it's when we begin to grow up and say, your kingdom come. Your house rules, Lord. Your will be done. Not my will, but thy will. And we begin to notice growth. And I, I want to help you in your growth obedience today. Is Pastor Landon here? There he is. He's coming right now. We, we, we uh, were at, at a conference and Landon met some people from his past. And I just want to, want to show you what obedience looks like real quick. I shared this uh, with our Infuse group on Thursday nights. That's our worship and creative uh, team that we meet on Thursday nights. And I shared a little bit of this with them uh, because I wanted to encourage them about the things that you say and the things that you do can make an impact that you don't even realize until way down the road. Um, so I was in high school, and I lifeguarded at this, this um, local swim club, basically, and uh, we were handpicked from a, a large group of people, and I ended up meeting this girl named Christy, um, and we became friends right off the bat, and we made a connection. She was kind of a, a wild child, if you will. Um, she went to a different school than me, but we, we hit it off, and uh, she knew about what I did. I told her all about how I went to church, and at the time, I was leading worship in my youth group, and uh, I invited her a few times. She would continue to say no. I would continue to ask. Um, and I just did what I, I knew to do. I knew, I just lived how I knew to live as an example, the best that I could. And I spoke into her life just by asking her to come to church with me. And finally, uh, relentlessly asking her, she came. And, uh, I can't say at that point, that's when she gave her life to God because she didn't, she never, um, continued to come from there, but she came a couple times. Fast forward, um, all these years later, uh, we, we meet back up at Elevation. Over time, uh, she came to know the Lord, met her husband, who then came to know the Lord, and uh, he became a youth pastor. They are now uh, at Elevation Church because he is interning there. He's in, a, in an apprenticeship program. But she said something to me that, that impacted me so greatly. She said, uh, did you know that we're here because of you? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she said, because you invited me to church, that started my journey in coming to know Jesus Christ. And I was blown away, my mind, amen, yeah, absolutely. I was blown away because at that moment, it came full circle for me. I realized that this small thing, this small seed that I had planted had been watered over years by someone else just like you who were pouring into her. And because of that, she came to know Jesus. Her husband came to know Jesus through her. And now their children know who Jesus is. And that, that legacy is going to pass on and on. So you never know. You never know what you do or say is going to impact, how it's going to impact somebody's life. Amen. Obedience is never a waste. It's an investment in the future we can't see yet. 
And Landon had no idea that his obedience to God to invite Christy to his church would eventually, 20-some years later, probably not that long, 15? Uh, yeah. yeah, about 15 years later, produce fruit and, and change the direction of an entire family, which is changing the direction of other families. See, that's how obedience works. What we do, we don't have to understand it. God says, you don't have to understand everything, just obey me. Because when we obey him, we find ourselves in the position of planting, watering, harvesting, whatever it is that he wants us to do at the moment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, is one of those passages of scripture that I've read many times, and then one day it just jumped out at me. It, it says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. It's, it's obedience. It's not just acting like, but it's obeying what he's told you to do. And then he says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. And cast out demons in your name. And performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Obedience is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. In fact, Jesus goes on and says in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when, notice it says when, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Listen, you will have storms. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will have storms. It's a guarantee in life. Storms are coming. You don't know when they're coming. Today's storm, I didn't know about it, but it's here. You will have storms and you have to live in what you build. You got to live in what you build. So build wisely. Build with the storm in mind. Storms will reveal the problems and the issues that have been lying dormant. You didn't know about it until the storm came. And all of a sudden, the roof's leaking. You're like, what happened? And all of a sudden, things are shifting. You're going, what, what in the world? And you find out later there were some issues going on before this. And not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear your path. <laughs> come on. But you've got to build with a storm in mind. How do you do that? Verse 24 tells us. It's obedience. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, anyone who obeys what I'm telling you, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. If you'll obey God, 
you'll find yourself, even when the storms come, you got a firm foundation and nothing can shake your house. Built with the storm in mind. I was, uh, I was golfing several years ago. In fact, I still have the golf card. It was the Pendell Golf Course at the Bongiorno Conference Center. Shot a 42 that day, in case anybody cares, on that, this night. Isaiah was actually playing with me. You hit a 61. Yeah! He beat me. He got a bigger score than I did. <laughs> we were coming up on hole six. We teed off, and uh, tee shot was okay. I, I don't specifically remember the tee shot, but what I do specifically remember, and you'll have to understand this is this is God's property. This isn't just a golf course. This is on a, a ministry uh, retreat area. And, and it's, it's God's property. And, and I'm I pick up my bag, hit my tee shot, pick up the bag, and start to walk. And I notice a Coke can on the ground. And the Spirit of God, as, as distinctly as I remember, said, pick it up. And I kept walking. And again, the nudge of the Holy Spirit said, pick it up. And I'm arguing now. No, it's not mine. I didn't put it there. Not my Coke can. And I keep walking. And the, the, the urge gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, as I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit, I went, okay, fine. And I put my bag down, turned around and walked back. And as I'm walking back, the Spirit of God said, delayed obedience brings extra steps, extra cost, and extra pain. And I began to realize some things in my life where I wasn't being totally disobedient. I was delaying my obedience for a more convenient time. And yet that delayed obedience turned into disobedience and also cost me in the long run. And I could recount many times in my life where I, I knew what, what I was supposed to do. I knew it. I knew it beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I said, I'll get to it when I want to, when it's more convenient. And, and that's why uh, Paul, the apostle, said, hey, now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. When you feel that, that nudge in your spirit to do what God's asked you to do, now's the time to do that because you're not promised tomorrow. And so I, I wrote that down on that golf card that day, and it, it began to deal with me, and I began to realize that sometimes in our life, if we'll just do what God asks us to do, when he asks us to do it, it'll change everything. It's, you know, they, they say 80% of people who need counseling need it because they won't obey what they already know. And isn't that the truth? You know, really, it's just like cooking. If you follow the recipe, you'll get good results. 
My mom used to say to us, anybody can be a good cook if they've got the right recipe. And if they'll follow the recipe, they'll get the results, and it will taste just like everybody else's taste that followed the results. And some of us are sitting in here today, and we're not following the recipe. We're not going to God's word and saying, what does he want me to do with my life? And we're not obeying what God's asked us to do. And so we've got ourselves in a mess, and life is tasting pretty bad right now. And you're trying to overcompensate with some salt or pepper or something, make this thing taste better. And the additives aren't going to work because you haven't followed the, the instructions. And God doesn't ask us to understand. He just asks us to obey. And this obedience is linked to faith, trusting that God knows best, and he does. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows best. <laughs> Someone said living by faith is a lot like driving at night with the lights on. You can't see very far down the road, but you can make the whole trip that way. All you need is the next step. Can I see far enough to keep going? Can I see far enough to keep moving in the right direction? That's what faith is like. It's, what, it's trusting God. He's not going to show you the whole thing. If he showed you the whole thing, you'd freak out. You're like, oh, I can't handle that. I don't even want to go down there. He's like, you're not ready yet. Just keep going on this path. I'll take you when you're ready. That's good. Good. Just trust me. Obey me. Do what I ask you to do. 1 Samuel chapter 15, it's a very it's a familiar passage. I think we've all probably heard it at some point. God has anointed Saul to be king over Israel, and he's given a very clear instruction. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. Notice Samuel says, this isn't for me. This is from God. God said to say this to you. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. It's been a while, but it's time for me to take care of this. Now go, verse 3, and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. And we can stop here and just debate, why? Well, why would God do such a thing? I'm not God, I don't know. My instructions are not to understand, my instructions are to obey. God has a reason for everything that happens. And he told Saul to completely destroy the entire nation. So, verse 4, Saul mobilized his army at Talaim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel, 10,000 men from Judah. And Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites, lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Look, if you guys want to be alive in a few hours, you better get out of here. Move away from where the Amalekites live or you'll die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. These guys were smart. They obeyed and they spared their life. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur 
east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Now, look back at verse 3. Completely destroy men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Pretty clear. Oh, but, but I like this. This is better. I like, it's okay. I know better than you know, God. I know better. And that's our attitude sometimes. I know better than you. So I'm not going to obey you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And as a parent, you understand that your child is growing when they want to honor you and obey you rather than you obey them. You do what they want you to do. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. And Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, yeah, Saul, he, he went down to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. And this is how far off we can get. We really get to thinking, man, I, 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 did, I did that. That was amazing. In fact, I just need to build a, a statue for me. And you see the problem here. You see the disobedience that leads to the idea that it's all about me. I'm good. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. Hey, whoa, dude, check it out. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then uh, what's all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle? I am. So I'm hearing some things that are saying what you're saying ain't true. I'm hearing some things that are refuting what you just told me. It's true that the army spared, Saul says. The army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else. You see, it's all good, right? My disobedience was okay, right? Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul said? Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? 
Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? And Saul still doesn't get it. But I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And here's the other side of it. Rebellion not obeying God, doing what you think is best rather than what he wants you to do. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Stubbornness, as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And for some reason, we get to thinking that our disobedience is just fine. In fact, we build monuments to ourselves. Check it out. And God says, no. In fact, I don't want the sacrifice stuff. I want you. I want your heart. I want you obeying what I ask you to do. And for many of us in this room today, we have in some area of our life disobeyed God. And he's calling us to a point of obedience. I don't know what that is for you. But the spirit of God does and so do you. Because as he nudges you today, he's talking to you. In fact, he's putting his finger on some things that are pretty uncomfortable. He, he wants obedience rather than the sacrifice. And what you'll find out is disobedience is way more costly than you can imagine. It's way more costly than you can immediately realize. Don't sacrifice what you really want for something temporary. Don't sacrifice what you really want what's in front of you right now. Don't sacrifice what you really want for immediate pleasure. Your anointing, your future, your position can all be lost through disobedience. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus was obedient even to the cross. Why? Because he saw in the future, the future reward, which is us. Amen. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, but he saw something beyond that moment. 
that moment of, of obedience. He saw something. He said, I, I, if I can get through this, that's what I get. And he paid the price for us. In that Palm Sunday, he began to do some things and live his life in such a way as he'd always lived, but he didn't give it up in that, that final crunch time. He saw us. He saw the joy set before him. He saw you and he saw me and he said, that's worth it. That's worth my obedience. Not my will, but thine be done. I'm not giving up this for that. Press through. He obeyed his heavenly father. The Lord is pleased with our obedience to his voice. Because our obedience sets us up and sets us apart for a future we can't even see yet. You can't see it yet. But it's coming as you obey your heavenly, as you grow in obedience. And God is speaking to some of us today about our obedience. He's speaking to us and he's saying, look, if you just do what I ask you to do, there's blessings down the road. There's blessings on the other side of your obedience. There's some things that, that are coming. If you'll just obey me, if you'll walk with me and do what I ask you to do, it will boggle your mind to see what I have for you on the other side. On the other side. Bow your heads with me, please. Hallelujah. Awesome God, we invite you in this place today to speak to us. Speak to our hearts right now. Lord, there's some things going on in each of us. And Lord, we're saying yes to you today. We're going to go ahead and say yes to you today. We're not going to disobey. In fact, Lord, some of us are, are sitting here and our first step of obedience is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because that's where this whole blessing starts. That's where new life happens. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us enough that you gave of yourself willingly, freely. You died on that cross, but you didn't stay dead. Three days later, you rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And we stand here today victorious in you. And Lord, we want to obey you in every area of our life. And today, we just say yes. We say yes to you.